0: Yes, David, I've been waiting for you. Doctor Nutt told me you'd be
1: here. Is Blue Fairy here, too?
0: I first heard of your Blue Fairy from Monica. What did you believe the Blue Fairy could do for you?
1: That she would make me a real boy. But you
0: are a real boy. At least as real as I've ever made one, which by all reasonable accounts would make me your blue fairy.
1: You are not her. Dr. No told me that she would be here, at the lost city in the sea at the end of the world.
0: The That's what Dr. No needed to know to get you to come home to us. And it's the only time we intervened. The only help that we gave him to give to you. your way home to us until you were born robots didn't dream robots didn't desire unless we told them what to want David, do you have any idea what a success story you've become you found a fairy tale and inspired by love fueled by desire you set out on a journey to make her real and most remarkable of all no one taught you how we actually lost you for a while but when you were found again, we didn't make our presence known because our test was a simple one. Where would your self-motivated reasoning take you to the logical conclusion The Blue Fairy is part of the great human flaw to wish for things that don't exist or to the greatest single human gift, the ability to chase down our dreams? And that is something no machine has ever done until you. govier and travis roy coming to a speaker near you right now
2: welcome to the cinema nine podcast you are listening to me travis and my co-host eric our other co-host mike govier is uh out celebrating he's doing other stuff tonight you know he he, aka the busiest man in the world he's not he's not here but uh we are and we're here to talk about ai colon artificial intelligence the steven spielberg film yes we are but we'll get to that in due time how you doing eric good and you well thank you glad we got that out of the way (laughs) um (laughs) good talk uh Anything going on with you this week, man? Anything you can share with the people? Anything of, of interest or fun, or just living the life? <laughs>
1: I gotta say, right now I'm kind of doing my thing. Uh, yeah, it's kind of doing my thing right now. First week of school, uh, very busy. A lot of lesson plans, a lot of yep. uh, Cedron so start coffee. Up. But uh, yeah, I'm just living the dream here. Good, good. Keep it up. Been watching any movies? I've watched some stuff, I'll say that. i watched some stuff, for sure. Some, some yeah. ridiculous stuff and some incredible stuff. You know, I texted you, uh, I watched something twice in a row. I haven't done that in quite a while.
2: It's been, what, two, actually over two weeks since our last That's episode. Right. We've. We, it's been a little busy, so um, I don't even remember what that was. Did you tell me what it was that you watched twice? Uh, the Last Waltz. Oh, excellent. after after the yeah. passing of the great yeah, Robbie he and I'm hearing all yeah. this stuff,
1: and I'm like, I gotta say, like, I kind of know the band, but like, I, I don't know who this is. So like, I jumped into the rabbit uh-huh. hole, and I'm like, got like, you know, I did my research, then I watched the Last Waltz, and I was f- f- fucking blown away, <laughs> like, dude, it's a, I, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I thought Stop Making Sense was the best concert film of all time. That's nothing. That is nothing. This is fucking amazing. As soon as it ended, I just started it right back up again on Tubi. It's fucking awesome. It's <laughs> awesome.
2: Okay. Uh, Stop Making Sense is not nothing, but yes, I agree. Yeah, um, yeah, La- Last Waltz is really an incredible thing. You know, I actually spent the day listening, the day after Robbie Robertson passed, listening to tons of the mm-hmm. band as well, and I tried to like get into albums that I hadn't actually listened to before because they have a lot of material, but I always kind of stuck with the first couple sure. albums or so. And I gotta tell you, you want... I think maybe an even better live performance than the last waltz is Rock of Ages. Okay. It is, oh my God, just unbelievable. It is really, really good. But I'd have to like listen to them both back to back. But yes, I'm glad we're both appreciating the band in this uh, in this sorrowful time. I watched one movie all week, uh, in all two weeks. Ricky, you're kidding me. I did. Well, actually two, because I watched AI, of course, okay. and I watched the new Super Mario Brothers movie <laughs> a couple weekends ago. I heard good things. I was entertained okay. i mean it was like i think i i think i rated it like a seven mm-hmm. on imdb which is definitely respectable yeah. it's not like i wasn't blown away or anything but they finally made a video game movie that looks like the goddamn video game which is never a bad idea oh. so it was good did you rent it, was fun. it or no it's on uh peacock i think so okay i watched it over there and then other than that it's just been all sopranos all the time Damn, he's back just, in just a, oh yeah i'm almost done already It's. uh just blew through it last time i watched sopranos i did it when um talking sopranos a podcast with imperioli and steven mm-hmm. uh sharipa came out and uh i like paced myself i watched like one you know that i waited a week because yeah. i was like doing the doing back and forth listening and then watching so it was like excruciatingly long this time i'm just burning through my sopranos Jesus christ yeah um yeah i put on titanic it popped up on netflix it's been okay. a
1: while and i mean when it started i was like fuck this would be pretty good for the show i mean this was uh this was a <laughs> massive film uh you yeah. may find its way uh into the, the ports of the cinema nine podcast but i mean i <laughs> i'm gonna be honest with you man i i, I i've always been a fan like I, I think this is a really good movie uh yeah, I don't know what else to say. Like Zayn is Zane in it up, man.
2: I have a child. Let me throw her. I have a child.
1: <laughs>
2: I'll tell you this. Out of all of the top the what the four out of the top five grossing movies of all time, the James Cameron's behind, mm-hmm. that's the one I like the most, although I still haven't seen Avatar Two. Which you know what? That reminds me, you did see Avatar Two, but you never mentioned it on the show before. You just talked about Avatar One and how much you loved that. Yeah. But you never told the people you told us, but you never told the people how you felt about Avatar. Yeah, 2. I fell asleep. How do you feel?
1: <laughs> Fell asleep. All
2: right. So, there you go. That
1: says it all, pretty much. I do like the there first you go. one. Uh, other than uh, you watch? Titanic in the last waltz twice, uh, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of old Star Search episodes on YouTube. Remember Star wow. Search with Ed McMahon? Of course. <laughs> it yeah, popped up. I don't I do. know why the hell it popped up in my algorithm, but huh. I'm like, hey, fuck it. Uh, maybe I'll like it. It's so <laughs> dumb. Like, I... I don't remember this show that much, but, like, I definitely don't remember, like, them going from, like, six-year-old music acts, which are really sweet, to, like, steamy, uh, skimpy, bikini-lad models for, like, promotional model, like, competition. It's ridiculous. There's, like, these like, seedy videos of, like, models, quote-unquote, like, spokesmodels. But they don't talk. Okay. They just uh, appear like on like motorcycles in skimpy outfits, and then they're judged by the judges based solely on their looks. It's hilarious. It's, it's really dumb, but uh, it's, it's fun. 80s. What are you going to do? Yeah, wh- Fucking 80s. what are you going to do? Yeah, There was a really beautiful <laughs> woman. Only got two and a quarter stars. I don't know what the judge's problem was. She didn't pose well enough? <laughs> Not enough vamping? Like... I guess so. Yeah.
2: But mugging yeah but i mean
1: (laughs) star search titanic
2: last waltz that's pretty much it man all right okay well um i guess you know we can just muscle on into the main event here Mm -hmm. this will probably be a little bit shorter of an episode anyways yeah yeah, just because we're a a man short and i didn't watch shit so i don't have as much to blather on about as i ordinarily (laughs) would (laughs) i can (laughs) talk more about ai i've got some got some notes i've got some notes do you i have for a two-and-a-half-hour movie, I have exactly one page of notes, okay. which I found really surprising. Okay. But um, before we get into that, what do you think the IMDb rating in, is on this old bad boy? <sighs> I
1: remember people sleepwalking out of the theater, so I'm going to give this
2: 6.5. Yeah, I was thinking in the sixes, too. I'm going to go a little higher and say 6.8. Okay. Okay. Let's Let's see. I'll look it up. I should have gotten this ready, but uh I'm not Mike Govey. I don't I don't have that that skill yeah, of being the bad prepared. Cave, like eight, I t- eight computer screens. It, it <laughs> <laughs> uh he's he's actually podcasting two other podcasts at the same time that he's doing ours. <laughs> uh AI is seven point two. Okay. Okay. Out of three hundred and seventeen thousand ratings, that is a uh sturdy sturdy uh support group here sure. or base.
1: Well, yeah. I've got the thermometer right. up. We got seventy six percent on the thermometer and uh the, it's fresh. I mean the uh audience they're not pissed, but we're at uh, sixty four. Popcorn's still fresh. But uh okay. let's take a look. I think we might be happy with some of our uh top critics here uh, uh, that are available for comment. Um That is prime Destin Thompson era. Yeah, you would I think two thousand one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's check out um Rex Reed from The Observer calls it a technically dazzling yet emotionally accessible to the inner child in everyone from 9 to 90. So he digs the film, good old Rex Reed. He likes it. That
2: was just a lot of (laughs) pap. Our
1: good buddy, the legendary Washington Post's own you know him. You love him. You adore him. We love him. He has not been returning your phone calls. We, we, Dessen Thompson. We worship him. <laughs> its heart is in the right place, he says, on June 29, 2001. But the intelligence behind the rest of the movie is, well, a little
2: too artificial. Splat. Dessen. Yeah. I'm never afraid to speak his mind. <laughs> no, he's got no
1: problems there. And uh, good old Roger Ebert. You know, Roger Ebert's got a soft side. Big Spielberg fan. Huge Kubrick fan. So it's no surprise that he gives it a fresh tomato. Says, a movie both wonderful and maddening. I kind of like that. Kind of like that. Maddening. I'd be curious how he unpacked that further. From what I understand, he reviewed it initially and gave it kind of a... I think he gave it three out of four stars, and then it wound up being on his uh, great films you must see list uh, several years later. So he returned to it, ended up enjoying the film. Hmm.
2: All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, do you remember the first time you saw this film?
1: I do. I absolutely do because it was the first time I saw a movie at the uh, new Brighton MJR theaters in our uh, respective uh, theater city, Brighton, Michigan yeah the new theater theater was newly built it was fresh the paint was fresh i walked into the stadiums yeah on a hill literally (laughs) i walked into the stadium seating and i sat down for a movie i had been anticipating for i mean steven spielberg and stanley kubrick are my two favorite uh filmmakers of all time so they team up you know posthumously of course in the case of kubrick but uh, i'm i mean i i cannot wait for what's about to behold me um yeah, and like everybody else, we kind of like we're like, oh, that's it, and then we all kind of shuffled out of the theater, looking at each other. But uh, I tried it a couple more times after that. But it's been, you know, about twenty years since I took another look to see if it was
2: fresh and held up. Yeah, I mean those names, Kubrick and Spielberg. I, I feel like I must have seen it in theater based on in theaters based on that alone, and I probably did. But also, I was working at Blockbuster at the time with you, um, as I recall. Actually, you may have moved on by that point. At any rate, um, I was working at Blockbuster at the time, and I just remember um, scores and... No, yeah, I I guess I would have been in Florida at the time, so it wasn't with you. Anyways, I remember... Because I worked at multiple Blockbusters, but just... Video after video of vector video. This is one of those ones that they just you know wall like two walls mm-hmm. of this. This was like a big blockbuster film and just a fucking million copies of this movie. Yep. And I think I remember I ended up. I mean, I think I even ended up buying it for like four ninety nine used or some shit. Yeah. And I don't think I even ever opened it. Oh, I'm pretty sure I watched it maybe twice. <sighs> I think I I think I watched it twice. I think I watched it the first time and was a little nonplussed, and went back a second time, and uh, didn't catch it again until last night. <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, we're older now. I'd like to think that we're a bit wiser.
2: Has anything yeah. changed? A lot of it felt new to me. There was a lot that I had forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'll say if anything changed in terms of how I feel about it until a little bit later mm-hmm. in the game, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I was dramatically shifted. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. So
1: story is Kubrick picks up the short story in the late 60s and tries Super to... Super toys. Super toys something. last all summer long. And uh, he likes the material and uh, hires a bunch of writers to adapt it and flesh this out as a screenplay. And he cannot quite click it. He cannot quite shape it into something that he's happy with, uh, even until up 99 when he passes and the estate eventually hands it to Spielberg. Because he had been uh, talking to Spielberg solely about the special effects uh on, on this as thing. i
2: understand it what i read uh he actually had passed it off to spielberg in 95 before he even passed oh is that right yeah, yeah. but uh they both were i think waiting for the cgi to catch up mm-hmm. now did I, I can't remember if i read that they were
1: hoping to cast a, like they're hoping to have the david be artificial or were they just waiting for the cgi to catch up for the other robots and stuff
2: I think it was a bit of both for, for Kubrick, especially, he didn't think a human being could, could play the role, mm. but he hadn't met Haley Joel Osment yet. So, mm. or at all probably, but, uh, after, after being cast in, cause this would have been after sixth sense, I believe, yeah. but certainly, you know, he made a big splash in Forrest Gump sure. as far as child actors goes. Sure. Um, and so I think, I think he was certainly the right casting for the time. I can't imagine a child actor at that time that would that stands out to me who, who would have done better.
1: I don't know. I like that kid in Magnolia. He's a little bit anno- annoying, but he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's some good ones at the time, but I, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of what there's a lot of nuance. I think in Haley Joel Osment's performance, there's also a lot of like kind of clumsy moments where he's like very. Obviously, like okay, walk more like an automaton. Mm. And then there's also moments where I'm like, how long can this child hold his breath? How concerned <laughs> should I be about the well-being of <laughs> Haley Joel Osment during the making of this film? <laughs>
1: Jeez. Okay, so we get we get a nice opening. I forgot totally that Bill Hurt was in this. And at yeah. first I was like, oh Bill Hurt. Then I'm like, oh wait, I forgot. Fuck Bill Hurt because the whole Marley Matley thing totally right. turned me off. I can't even I can't even enjoy his performances anymore. But I forgot mm. about that, and and in that first chunk, and like I, I, mean, I really like this first. I mean, you can, you, I, for me, you can like I can pinpoint exactly when I'm like, oh fuck, okay, now we're getting into this. It's that first <laughs> like act, I guess you could call it. I think is just fantastic and full of a, a lot of different themes and emotions and stuff that I really enjoy. I mean, I question a lot of it. I question the sense of, of most of this entire story. But I do really like that first act and this Francis O'Connor is fantastic. So lovely and 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 believable in this role as Monica. I don't even know who this mm-hmm. person is.
2: She did some other stuff, but uh yeah, she kind of came and went around that era, I feel like.
1: Mm. And then not um, Ryan
2: Stiles. <laughs> that is uh that is one of the partners from um, American Beauty. He's one of the neighbors that he's the Scott Baculus ba- Scott husband. Okay. Uh, I, I even knew, used to know his name, but it's Sam Robards or Jason Robards. Yeah, Sam Robards. That's right, Sam Robards. Hmm. Um, yeah, that first act, which is like an hour long, yeah, is pretty strong. I think in that last shot of that, that long shot in the rearview mirror of him kind of stuck behind him, probably the shot of the movie for me in, in terms good. of. Like seeing, okay, here, this is definitely Spielberg. I'm not just looking at a fucking green screen. This mm-hmm. is some real um, direction happening here. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and you're watching that, you're like, fucking Martin, fuck you, Martin, Ugh, little shitbag, Martin, drown <laughs> Martin. I don't give a fuck. Uh, mm-hmm. That's pretty much how I was responding to that. But then, <laughs> and then it keeps going. You're like, okay, there's like these weird zombie android things, mm-hmm. and it's all really fun. <sighs> And then it but keeps going. It does kind of going. start to get a little. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of starts to get like. All right, I've seen Blade Runner too. Mm-hmm. Like I've, like I've seen that. I've mm-hmm. seen as well. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's definitely a lot of parts where it starts to be like, uh, "Where what are we doing here? This is <laughs> this this seems like kind of well trod ground in a few places." And all the Pinocchio references. It's like oh, okay. at least you're leaning into that, I guess, instead of pretending like you're doing something in, entirely new.
1: I mean. It's, it's 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 hitting you over the heads with a sledgehammer. this Pinocchio yeah. shit. I mean, he might as well like, just because <laughs> completely just might as well call it the Pinocchio and just updated the fucking thing. I mean, because yeah. like once you know, like I I got so many problems with like just the genesis of the story. Like, who would want us like a ten year or eleven year old boy like who can't grow up? That like, that never made sense to me. Like, who would want a kid that's just gonna stay a kid? That's not paternal. Like, I don't understand that. I don't understand why they have a kid in a coma who's not even dead yet, and then they're like, let's let's just have this other kid right now, and then, like, they don't really hear about Martin until he comes back. They don't visit him, and there's no, like, conflict <laughs> there until all of a sudden there's this phone call. And so many other things. The imprinting is just so fucking bizarre. Like, he can only imprint on, like, his mother. Like, he gets, like, one imprint thing, and, like, his father, yeah. as soon as he delivers it, he's just out of the picture. Like, there's nothing about the father. And I guarantee that's all Spielberg and his fucking daddy issues. But it's yeah.
2: just w- weird. And there's a lot of that opening stuff where it's like, this This could play like a horror movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of feels like yeah. the way that he's staring at her and following her around, like, it's it's creepy. It's mm-hmm. almost like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that John Williams has ever gone so over the top with the score. I mean, like, there, this is a... Especially in that opening act, like there's a lot of just like swelling, a lot of swelling lot of music. Swelling. It's yeah. so much swelling, <laughs> and it's <laughs> and swelling. it's very ninety. The, do, 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 yeah. do. it's kind of like I don't know, man. It's it's not his best work.
1: Well, I mean, I I love what he does in that third or fourth, fifth, eighth act, whatever the fuck you want to call that last <laughs> half hour. Like I, that stuff is really fucking good uh, by John Williams. But yeah, that first part is just like you could see him like watching the thing like okay i just swell again swell again i guess i don't know what the what the fuck even is this um but yeah i mean i think the issue is like once david starts talking about the blue fairy okay for me it's like since i know the quest is futile because the the blue fairy is fictitious like there's no suspense like i know like this is going nowhere, so I know his journey is going to be completely fruitless. Like it kills everything for me, and I just got to sit there and wait for him to be like, "Oh shit, it's just a piece of plastic." All right, I guess I'll die now.
2: <laughs> no, first he has to go through two thousand years of underwater robot hell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and let's not forget uh, going to fucking blasters to uh, go to Alexa <laughs> for arcane. some basic information.
2: Oh, you mean ChatGPT, voiced by Robin Williams? What the? Fuck? Fuck. <laughs> what?
1: Uh, I I don't understand this. The movie's called AI. David it, like did they make like did did Dr. Hobby just make David like fucking dumb? Like he doesn't come like he's not like he's born a child. like a 10 or 11 year old. He's born like like a fucking dog. It doesn't know anything about anything.
2: Okay, so that I think you hit something for me big time. I think there's a possibility that this movie is not as much about technology is it is about how humans treat animals. I think that like in a way, like you you said, like what kind of person is going to get a child that will like never grow up? Well, I mean, I have known grown adults who've explained to me about how their parents more or less stopped being involved in their lives after they reached a certain age hmm. because they just wanted like a little fucking play thing. Hmm. And there are people that get puppies and then just discard them right away and that, that's kind of the theme that I kind of kept on re- returning through throughout the movie. For instance, the, uh, Teddy, who is easily my mm-hmm. favorite character in this oh, movie, for sure. hands down. When he is being carried around the flesh festival, the flesh fair, whatever it's called, and he's like, "Can you help me find David? Where is David? Can you right. help me find David?" And the guys just completely ign- are you taking me <laughs> to David? The guys just like completely ignoring him because he doesn't give a flying fuck about his wishes or his like mm. what motivates him. And it made me think a lot of like this is how humans treat animals routinely uh and the the sport of them and the fact that they have and 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 the difference being of course that animals are more like david than they are like the other mecca that just kind of you know smile their way through acid being dumped on their heads because they have no real Mm -hmm. concern for their life Mm -hmm. animals actually feel fear feel all this kind of feel love they feel all this kind of stuff And yet we are content to treat them in that regard. And honestly, like watching this movie, I'm again like, uh, I gotta speed up my um, shifting into vegetarianism that I'm working on (laughs) because I just—it's a disturbing film once I've started looking at it in that light.
1: Yeah, I mean, Teddy is a fucking incredible creation. Like when you stop and be like, well, how 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 the hell did they do that? I mean, it's Stan Winston Studios, and Stan Mm -hmm. Winston. I read this was like. Nobody like gives him enough credit for it. Rest in peace. But like they said, this was the by far the most complicated fucking thing they've ever done, and he's cool as hell. He's a motive. Looks uh, awesome. But but mostly for me, and this is where I'm also a bit puzzled. Is he's incredibly caring mm-hmm. in, in a movie where we have uh, Doctor Hobby wanting to create a robot that can love. Teddy clearly loves David, and and mm-hmm. his family jumps on the bed at the end. So sweet. Uh, and he's supposed to be a super old toy. Yeah. Uh, so we're already seeing a, a, a really good example of love in this character from the onset, uh, more so than David, who just notices him at the flesh fair and is like, oh, hey, daddy, what's up? Like,
2: <laughs> <sighs> And I think you get that with Joe, too. Like when, when David takes Joe's hand and, and won't let him go, like Joe seems like he um it means something to him to be needed and to be wanted but it is also weird that you've got like this childish like you know this this complete like little cherubic creature in Mm -hmm. david and you're watching like this kind of fairy tale fantasy that thing that you could watch with any kid, and then all of a sudden it shifts to like this sex worker and who's wanted for murder. <laughs> and it's like this has got really intense, and Enrico Colantini shows up for a yeah. minute. It's yeah. just like I don't know. It just kind of gets um, it. It's a mood shift, and those two yeah. characters. I think that they work pretty well together, and when they're interacting, but there are definitely times where they feel like really incongruous, like they're in different movies. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Blade Runner, so while I'd be interested in how, like,
1: crime and being a suspect would work as a mecca in this world, like, that kind of territory's already been figured out. Mm -hmm. But we do have, like, this frame, this frame setup with Gigolo Joe that's, like... Just kind of there, and then like later on, he's just kind of pulled away because the story doesn't need him anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like what Jude Law is doing here, but he just yeah. seems like an appendage for a lot of the thing.
2: Yeah, he is a he's the scarecrow or the Tin Man. He's just yeah. kind of along for the ride to yeah. uh, to, and then he's also a name that they could kind of put in there too. Yeah, I think he I think he does. Pr- Pretty good work. His physicality is outstanding. I think that the makeup on him and stuff is great. Mm -hmm. And his delivery of I am, I was at the end, I thought that was really powerful. I also thought it was kind of weird that the like, they do this whole thing where like David falls into the into the water, the fucking fish float him over to this thing and and then like he gets yanked back out so he can say goodbye and then and then <laughs> he goes back in and the police are like yes by all means take that vehicle we'll, we don't give a fuck about that thing we just came for the suspect. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's a little weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um you spend uh you spend all this time and all this money and all this technology on a an android child and you don't bother to just not have it be able to swallow food?
2: Or you produce, what, 50 more of them, but you don't make them have the same thing, like the same emotional range that the first one did? Mm. He's like, because he's doing this whole thing where he's like planting seeds in Dr. No and trying to lure David back because he's one of a kind except for the like 50 to 100 other models that he has in the same lab.
1: (laughs) Right. Yep. Yeah. Doesn't make a lot of sense. That's the thing, because like you get David like killing all the other like destroying all the other David models, and me as the audience, I'm like, yeah, go David. But I'm like, well, the fuck makes you different from them? I mean, you you are a toy. So I look at that scene, and then I look at the scene where Martin, who's a little shit, but he's also ten years old, and he's a little shit. Yeah. And. It is a toy, and it's a bunch of fucking kids fighting over a toy. I, I did the same thing with my fucking Transformers. So it is kind of interesting to see all this play out for an, an, an inanimate object. I think it does a good job of getting the viewer to place emotions on something that
2: we know is nothing but an uh, automaton. It's well, interesting. we don't know that, though. I mean, that's, that's the whole point is that he has, a, he has a soul. He has a spirit. By the end of the movie, he dreams like a human. I think, isn't that like the whole point? Like Frankenstein is not a monster. He's made to be one. He in fact has his own spirit and, and animus. I'm to take this narrator seriously.
1: That the fact that J- David can now, can now dream and he does have a soul. I just passed me up.
2: I mean, that's how I interpreted that. Hmm. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but to me, that was like the, oh, if not If that's not the point being made at the end, then like it's an even weirder ending because, I mean, is David going to sleep forever next to her or or is it or is is he going to wake up after like eight hours of laying there and be like, okay, she's a corpse and Teddy's going to be like, okay, David, let's go. (laughs) Or is Teddy going to sit there for an eternity and watch him lay next to his mother? (laughs) Uh,
1: No, David's going to wake up. And immediately start complaining and whining that he wants his mommy again. It's like, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> that like, is
2: just gonna exactly... He's going to be pissed again and be like, I right. want
1: her back, I want her back, I want her back. And the robots are going to have to be like, sorry, I can't do it. I mean, the robot aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely thought they were aliens. Um, the first time I did, yeah. I, I just don't know, dude. Like, even that ending, like, I'm, I'm watching, you know, Monica, quote, unquote, come back, but this isn't a resolution of... of for David, it's it's not even his mom. Like, it's not even her. How does she have memories? Why is she the same age in the same clothing? <laughs> and how can the, the Mecca <laughs> create this fucking synthetic world to the T and not just make, a, a, by
2: this point, a, like a robot or something that could simulate her, too? Like, Well, that's I, that's I, what I, it was. I mean, that's what I convinced myself that it had to be, that they were able to, like, get the genetic material from the hair, but who she was and how she acted was all coming from their memories that they uploaded from david so he was just interacting with an automaton in his own way and she wasn't i mean that wouldn't have been her that would have been her would not have been her soul that would have been mm. that would have been like a speaking puppet just like him <laughs> i guess <sighs> i don't know what do you eh. got uh what else do i got let me see um this is gonna be our shortest episode ever um David eats food, gets Bell's palsy.
1: <laughs> oh, shit.
2: <laughs> Droop face. Damn. That was a shame. Uh, okay, so there's a big environmental message happening in this movie. It's subtle. I don't know if you missed mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I, it, it was kind of refreshing to watch something from 2001 and be like, okay, they're talking about the ice caps melting and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know losing major coastal cities and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, which I thought was sadly poignant, you know, kind of reminded me of how long we've had to do better and haven't. What were they, okay,
1: what were they saying there was, what was the law about having your own children? Was there some
2: sort of, like, restriction there or limitation on that? Oh, in the very beginning, there was something, I don't remember, it was, there was a lot of, I don't know. There was a lot of narration at the beginning and at the end. And that one moment in the middle to explain that David had been asleep for 2000 years. I hate it when narration mm. does that. It's like, you can't just pop in. If you're, if your scene doesn't make sense on its own and you have to bring the narrator back for one scene, then you've done something wrong.
0: You need to, <laughs> re, you need to
2: reshoot that, rewrite it and just have yeah, bookended narration. I mean, that's yeah, a great point. Yeah. Um. But yeah,
1: I, I mean, I do like that, but I was also getting, uh, Fucking prayer of the roller boys flashback here, where the world <laughs> no doesn't seem that different. Like, I mean, the the teens that roll in a Rouge City just seem like fucking kids from two thousand one. Yeah, uh, the people at the flesh fair just seem like fucking people at the goddamn Ionia County Fair. Like, the world doesn't <laughs> seem that different.
2: No, and I mean, and it's supposed to be—I don't know—five hundred years, I would guess, on yeah. or a few hundred years. I mean, it's yeah. time for the caps to have melted and for the world to have moved on and recovered. So it would at least be a 200 years, you'd think. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's. I get a feeling a lot of it It's funny that you picked this movie I was going to pick for my next round I'm not going to now but I was going to pick for my next round A Steven Spielberg film as well I was going to get, mm-hmm. go with Minority mm-hmm. Report mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot in this And maybe I will some other day But sure. I feel like there's a lot in this movie That feels like him prepping for Minority Report Which I know he spent a lot of yeah. time on And this kind of felt like a dry run for that In some ways mm-hmm. Do you get that vibe?
1: Uh, definitely aesthetically when we got fucking Janusz Kaminski's spaceships in every
2: goddamn window again <laughs> the glowing outdoor spotlight through the window of every Janusz Kamis- Kaminski fucking movie ever even West Side Story it's... why does every future
1: house look like goddamn the, the Guggenheim the stratosphere in Vegas yeah the fucking Guggenheim why <laughs> I don't know but uh, this is I remember this is where I was first like what's he doing why Why, why does it look so weird why does it what, what is
2: this um, yeah. and, and there's a lot of that CG that like doesn't quite match up I know it's probably awesome for its time but like when he when, when Joe is like talking to the kids in the car and like david is waiting with teddy back by the woods and he's like watching Mm them i'm like looking at this i'm like am i looking at fucking tron like the first tron (laughs) it's just there's there's some moments like that where i'm like "Uh." and then there's other moments that are fantastic like you mentioned teddy looks and acts great there actually is some pretty decent cgi um stuff going on i think that those space aliens they or you know the robot things the advanced Mm -hmm. you know evolved Mm -hmm. robots um, they did a good job in, in their faces, I thought, and like having it be subtle. Mm-hmm. I think there's some, some mm-hmm. good stuff. And then there's stuff that was like when they get to whatever the name of that one town is where they go th- the where all the women are and they go through the yeah. big mouth and they're yeah, Rue City. Rue City. Yeah. Like that looks awful. It looks yep. like it looks like I mean, again, it's yeah. 2001, so I shouldn't be too critical. But. I guess I feel like there's some unevenness in, in some of these backgrounds in particular. And mm-hmm. I think when they started to get big in like terms of urban environments, it started, it, they didn't, it was too much. And they um, the people all look lit differently and like they're just in a different place than everything that's going on around them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, ben and Gleason Wasted?
2: I mean he made sense for the role and he wasn't as big at the time. So no, I don't think he was wasted because this was this was 2001. He would have just done the general um yeah. he would have done, you know, he wasn't he wasn't quite this was he was getting going at this point. I mean he'd done, you know, of yeah. course he'd done Braveheart several years before that and stuff, but I mean this was still kind of early in his career. I, I mean, I I don't mind
1: the the, the Flesh Fair scene. I think it goes on too long like every other sequence in this movie. Mm. But I don't know if they did the best job setting up the animosity humans have towards the, the robots. I mean, did they get into the whole like labor takeover
2: by them and, and why there's so much hate? I mean, there's that one monologue from Joe about why they really hate him because they're, they're, they're gonna out you know gonna, Mecca's gonna outlive orga. Which mm-hmm. I don't even know if humans are thinking that deeply into we, it. I wouldn't. I don't care. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I fucking that, TV outlived me. I wouldn't give a fuck. It's. I think it's more that it's just like it's, there are some humans that like to pick the wings off flies. Yeah. But back to the uh, flesh fair thing. I'm sorry, fucking Chris Rock. That, oh, that voice, worthy out of nowhere. Like, hey, oh. don't
1: put me in this cannon. Oh. Like
2: clearly a favor from Steven Spielberg. Like. Yeah. Fucking thing. cringeworthy, and I don't think Robin Williams was that great either. Like I, I, I found Awful. it distracting. Like it, it's fucking like, Doctor
1: wiley <laughs> dumb. Yeah.
2: When it's that clearly some like celebrity vo- voice, it's it's like it's, I don't know. It's kind of hard to do like a celebrity cameo voice, I, at least with um Robin Williams' character, like there was a lot for him to say, so it kind of made sense because he felt like a character. When you have someone with a voice as distinct as Chris Rock's yeah. and just yeah. have him thrown in there in the middle of nowhere, it's just so like out of left field. Yeah, yeah.
1: like Madagascar bullshit. Ben Kingsley, <laughs> lovely narration. Man yeah. Street, nice as the fucking Blue Fairy. But yeah, that was just like... That whole thing is like an hour to get to this stupid thing that tells them basic information like, oh, yeah, heads up. That that was just a book. Like, And then they just <laughs> believe it and go on this, what uh, Joe calls like an incredible journey. What is this fucking journey? Like they go to one place and they sit there for all oh, this. I, it
2: just doesn't work. So fucking disjointed. No, that's a really good point. They they go from, they meet in the fucking woods with all the creepy stuff, which is still, I think, mm. a really cool scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, they, then they get, they sit, you know, David inadvertently saves Joe at mm-hmm. the Flesh Fair. Really, Teddy saved... Well, I guess, yeah, Teddy saves him, sort of. I don't know, it's a combination of, like, that carny guy or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right, they they hitch a ride, they go to Rouge City, they get told where to go, they go there, Yeah. the end. Or at least to yeah. the end of their journey together. And then, yeah. well, no, no, that's pretty much it, because, I mean... That's it? he jumps out of hobby's window or out off the balcony or whatever and uh that's yeah they don't go anywhere else then he just sits there for two (laughs) thousand (laughs) years
1: where where i'll add that the oceans have completely frozen over in only two thousand years i don't i'm not sure that's how science works
2: well even more puzzling they've completely frozen over and then disappeared because the (laughs) the robot things show up but they just go walk around down there and they open the thing up and he gets out like where did all the ice go did it just turn into snow and foof because if it, i mean I, it'd make more sense for it to have been a drought and if they're gonna yeah, have him somehow get out have it turn into a yeah. desert yeah right because it didn't make any sense i'm like how did you walk around the ice i don't know either way those batteries sure as hell last a long time <laughs> and, and teddy also again like isn't he supposed to I mean like He's supposed to be like a throwaway toy that you just throw in the closet. He's going to last 2,000 yeah. years. I mean, <laughs> so is like this piece of plastic next to me and this piece of plastic next to me and mm-hmm. all these other pieces of plastic next to me. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of the point. I don't know. But maybe I'm also reaching.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I was kind of hoping that um, things would change
2: for me. But yeah, it's just frustrating film. Do you have... so we just go ahead and wrap it up a little early? Are you ready to make your final points why
1: bother stretching it out if we don't have to we'll be living a lie
2: <laughs> let's live the truth Eric go ahead you okay. you brought this to the table tell us what you think
1: we ultimately get the worst of two of my favorite filmmakers we get the schmaltz and cheese from Steve and we get the isolating nothingness of Kubrick esoteric what have you in the same movie Yeah. Uh, and, and both of them just completely take the thing hostage <laughs> I think we got a really cool first act that, you know, could be up there with one of the best episodes of Black Mirror ever. Uh, so that's where I'm really scratching my head because man, that's a really cool first act. They set everything up. They pretty much try to deliver on on the basic conceit of what if there was a robot boy and what if you couldn't love it, but it loved you. What would you do? Yeah, it's really good for the first forty-two minutes. Then it fucking keeps going for another goddamn eight hours, <laughs> and and it's a problem because this 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 journey is nothing and it's so futile. Like I said, like when once David starts going on and on about the blue fairy, show me the blue fairy. I'm just like shut the fuck up. Like I cannot handle David anymore. I can't handle it. I know this is a kid. We're not supposed to trash kid actors, but God, man, I'm sorry, dude. Haley Joel Osment was driving me fucking nuts. Like, he just seems too old for the role. Especially, it, this it reminds me of, like, an eighth grader, like, calling his mother mommy. Like, mm-hmm. that, that that will always bother me. It's like, mommy, mommy this, mommy that. And I'm like, ah, f- kid, like, you're like 13 now. Come on, <laughs> dude. So there's that. And, but overall, I mean, like, again, like, what, what this also does is present a pretty good allegory for uh, foster care system I grew up with foster parents my mom and dad we had foster kids going in and in our house for years and years and years and it was tricky and this this story touches on the dangers of imprinting love on someone that may be only temporary or at least isn't biologically yours that is a very tricky thing to do and that's a, a very careful thin line that you have to walk uh when you're devoting yourself to someone who loves you unconditionally, but you are still very unsure of that bond, that gets tricky. And this is told that 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 those themes are brought out in an interesting way that blends science fiction, which is fucking totally cool. But the rest is just so dumb. I'm sorry. I mean, like, I thought this was supposed to be a smart two smart filmmakers. one a, a genius. Two geniuses. <sighs> And the bottom line is, dude, I almost hit the fast forward button. Okay. I, I don't know what went wrong here, but um, went full gobier almost. It, yeah, I almost went full gobier. <laughs> um, I don't know, it's in the script for me. I mean Spielberg writes this and it's the first script he wrote since E.T. Huh. And 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 this is the best he can do. Well I always want it to be better every time I see it, and it just isn't. So it doesn't hold
2: up for me, Travis. Look, I think if you take the names spielberg and kubrick off this thing are we talking about it and if this was made by hmm. joe johnston or somebody like, like that <laughs> you know what i mean Would this be something we'd be given any shits about at this point no, in the game God, Hell no. Would we, have re- Would we have returned to that well over and over again honestly like no. i said i watched it twice and i put it down and i wouldn't have picked it back up to be honest with you i hmm. i'm, I'm kind of glad i did so i can check in and make sure like yep still not for me um, mm. you know, it's I, I agree that first act is pretty great, pre- pretty good. I'll say not mm. great, pretty mm. good. There are some moments like him lying on the bottom of the um, the swimming pool after they've wrenched yeah. Martin away from him. There's there's some really like memorable shots and moments and stuff. And I agree that like uh, Francis O'Connor's performance is really strong. I think Haley Joel mm-hmm. Osment's performance is strong. I think that, uh, and I think that. um Joe Law does pretty good work here, uh as yeah. kind yeah. of unnecessary as a character may be in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. But all that does not a good movie make. Uh and two and a half two and a half hours is pretty lengthy for something that is an overblown fairy tale. Um Yeah, it, it left me thinking, like I said, about animals, and it left me thinking about the ending with what it meant with the dreaming and stuff. Like you said, these are two geniuses. So it's not like there's no um artistry here, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no shortage of money sunk into the thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I mean there is a lot of value here, but maybe in part because of the luminaries that are behind it, my expectations are elevated. But I think if you remove those expectations, yeah. I think I'd come to the same conclusion that this is this just does not hold up. I was frankly surprised by that. What was it? 7-2, is that what you said? The IMD DB? <laughs> I thought it was gonna be like six, yeah. six, six, four. Um, I don't think it's very good. Mm. There you have it. Yeah. I mean, there's just too much. Like,
1: how is setting uh David in the woods where there's countless things that you warn him about better than just shutting him off because he's just a machine?
2: Well, because because like, she loves him to a degree and you know feels responsible for him. It feels like she'd be killing him, but you could take him further away than literally when the flesh fair is it's a it's a static location it's right there it's right fucking there it's not like i mean yes the moon travels around but the 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 the, the fest (laughs) itself is a is a steady place you took him to its doorstep you dropped him off right next to their dumping grounds (laughs) and you knew it because you said don't go that way don't go 50 feet that way Go the other... Like, what? No, this is... It's just. I, it's, there's a lot of, like, things that are convenient for the plot, but once you start thinking about it, I'm like, they don't make any fucking sense.
1: Yeah, never again. It's over for AI, artificial intelligence. I brought it on, took a chance, but uh, this film just isn't
2: there. And that's a terrible title. AI colon artificial intelligence is a really bad title. So you know the fun fact. What? No. The suits... It was originally AI for years
1: and years and years, but until the suit stepped in and said... Well, people are going to think this is A1 Steak Sauce, the movie.
2: (laughs) Fucking suits, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Which might have been better. I mean. Yeah, I'd watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So uh, Gauvier's not here. I'm hoping he gave you his pick.
1: He did not give me his. Pick. if only I, we, I had
2: asked him last night for it which i did and he if did ultimately. not respond to that text so i guess it'll be a mystery mm. to us perhaps to him uh to you the listener we don't know what we're doing next week but it'll be mike's pick nope. and presumably we'll record next week probably ship lands where it lands these days <laughs> we do we do what we can we have busy lives um, yeah. But we do love this podcast And we're going to keep churning it out one way or the other We appreciate your patience with us uh, uh, Taking a little bit more time in between them But you know, mm-hmm. things happen And uh, we're not going anywhere no. Alright
1: Travis We're going to sign off with a quote From uh, fucking Dr. No Or what?
2: Do you, Is there any memorable quote From this movie that you could go with? Are you taking me to David? Me. Leave it at that <laughs>
0: Thanks